Hello, everybody, and welcome to September of 1991. In the news this month, Nelson Mandela is chosen as president of African National Congress. Rock band Nirvana released their single Smells Like Teen Spirit, often dubbed the anthem of Generation X. U.S. trial of former Panamanian leader Manuel Noriega begins. Jerry Springer's tabloid talk show, The Jerry Springer Show, debuts on TV. The top song of the month is Everything I Do, I Do It For You, and it ends its seven-week run this month at number one. The top three movies of the month are Deceived, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and The Fisher King. Welcome back to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Chris. And I'm Kevin. And it's September of 1991. And it's official we have three hosts now. And it's official we have three horrendous movies. (laughs) Why did they shit on my birth month? I turned 11 this month and it was like, well, you'll have nothing to, to hang your hat on here. I know, 11-year-old Kevin might have liked Freddy's Dead. No, 11-year-old Kevin no. was shit scared of Freddy's Dead. <laughs> A- as an adult, it's laughable. Yeah, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Will we? Because I would like to not. <laughs> you know, there's always time to discuss. And, you know, last week we might have recorded our longest episode ever. This week might become our shortest episode of all time. Wait, I just want to understand how you produce a month that from all the prior months that we had in 1991, where we were having a great time watching these movies and there was at least two or three or four or five movies every single month that we were like, I love this movie. I love that movie. And then here we are in September where, and we have a Robin Williams movie and I watched a Robin Williams movie. I was like, somehow this director and or slash writer made me despise a Robin Williams movie. Like, how did I get to this place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty mind-boggling for the month, too. End of the summer, you do expect some blockbusters to come out. I I think it's like Kevin said, though. Like, 1991 was, so far, it was seven, eight months of just greatness. We had at least one amazing movie every month, and now we have a giant heaping pile of dog shit of a month. (laughs) It's so bad. So I'm going to kick it off here at number 11. All right. The Indian Runner. This is a drama that earned $191,000. You know, not a lot of money earned here, but the premise and the people involved, it's really surprising. So this movie is about a Vietnam vet that comes home to his small town and finds himself in conflict with rules that his brother has vowed to uphold. So basically, this is, you know, a Vietnam vet comes home and He's having PTSD, and it's the struggles just of surviving. It's directed and written by Sean Penn. Uh, this is the first of his 15 directorial credits. Uh, and But, you know, he hasn't done much real directing. He's directed a whole bunch of music videos, which is, that just seems so odd, because he was already Sean Penn when he was doing this. And I just don't understand what Sean Penn is doing directing a Jewel music video, because that's something he did. <laughs> Let's sidebar and talk about the fact that Sean Penn tried to go undercover to infiltrate El Chapo's drug cartel and somehow aid the U.S. in capturing him. So he's not a man above doing some really odd things, is he? 
Well, I was completely unaware of his ties to El Chapo, so I couldn't, I couldn't comment on that. Please, please look up the article about him trying to go undercover as like not even undercover. He went as himself to try and get El Chapo to kind of like surrender. I guess it's a wild ride. <laughs> so he point breaked it. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Was he? But he wasn't undercover. He was just Sean. No, Penn El going... Chapo knew who Sean Ben was. <laughs> it's it's like having like I don't know Mickey Mouse show up and be like, "Hey, I'm not Mickey Mouse." <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. All right. Anyway, sorry to sorry to derail you. I don't even know what to say about this right now. <laughs> you were going on about Sean Penn directing uh, music videos. Well, yeah, he directed a Jewel music video. I think that's odd. But anyway, wait, wait. I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna so derail more about this one Sean more time. <laughs> no, this one's this one's about Jewel because oh. I listen. I listened to the, I listened to, wait, this is going to be the most interesting shit we have to talk about this entire podcast, so enjoy it. We, I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast that was three and a half hours long about Jewel's life story, and apparently she wrote a book, and it was the most insane thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Jewel is, uh, she's a real life superhero, bro. She went from like being homeless in Alaska with some wild family. She has her family on is she this one of the show. Bush people? Yeah, no, the the show that's on whatever Discovery Channel, whatever mm-hmm. it's on, that's her actual family. My God, her, I just like was joking. Her blood, her blood family is are those people. And anyway, she managed to be by herself this huge superstar that she is now. And then her mother stole a hundred million dollars from her. Her own mother. A hundred million. A hundred million dollars. <laughs> Why does Jewel have a hundred million dollars? Well, she has much more because she's still good to go. So, all right. Do you remember the Any- rumor that everyone heard about Jewel? Which was that that she had swallowed so much cum that she needed her stomach pumped. That <laughs> <laughs> was Brett Michaels. What? Think- <laughs> That's definitely Brett Michaels, bro. That wasn't Jewel. <laughs> That's even more crazy. Than I'm it's telling Brett you, Michaels. I heard this about Jewel. All right, well, Jewel, we apologize because that can't be true because you're an amazing person. Oh, All right. boy. All right, let's get back Should on I... track. Where right. are we? Should I keep talking about this movie? Yeah, please. Sean, <laughs> Penn, directed... So Sean Penn directed The Indian Runner about a Vietnam vet who comes home with PTSD, basically. All right. I forgot that we were talking about movies. This stars David Morse. He's from Green Mile, The Hurt Locker, Contact, and 12 Monkeys. Viggo Mortensen, of course, from Lord of the Rings. Valeria Galino from The Rain Man and Hot Shots, and everyone's not favorite, Patricia Arquette from True Romance. Well, I, uh, I like Patricia. Arquette. I don't like. Patricia She's a Arquette. wild person now, but she was a oh, decent actor. Also, Charles Bronson and Dennis Hopper in this movie. So, like, my point is, there's a lot of star power in this movie. Yeah, I like that. And for only to earn one hundred and ninety-one thousand dollars, that's just mind blowing. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so this was Charles Bronson's last movie that wasn't a Death Wish movie, and it's loosely based on Bruce Springsteen's song, Highway Patrolman. It's a lot of information about a movie that grossed less than a million dollars. I did a lot of research this week. Alright, I'm next at number 10, am I? I believe you are, yes. Coming in at number 10 is Company Business, grossing $1.2 million. I did a lot of research on this movie. A retired CIA agent is recruited to participate in a prisoner exchange with the Russians. This stars Gene Hackman and Mikhail Baryshnikov. 
I heard the name Mikhail Baryshnikov before. Had no idea who he was. So apparently he's a famous ballet dancer and yeah. or maybe teacher. Okay. All right. I've heard so of him this, as well. I want to read you this thing that I pirated from IMDb. Writer-director Nicholas Meyer said of this film in his book, The View from the Bridge, Memoirs of Star Trek and a Life in Hollywood. That's a really long title for a book. The film, which came to be known as Company Business, was a catastrophe. And it was no one's fault but mine. Going forward without a finished script was suicide. And while on paper, the trioka of Hackman, Barishnikov, and Meyer might have appeared promising, in reality, we were all pulling in different directions. And my bouts with Hackman just about wrecked me. There were a couple of sequences in company business of which I was proud, but isolated sequences do not make a good film. A great movie is great from start to finish. Company business, alas, did not come close. That's from the director and the writer. So That's he's saying, a lot. He's I wish you hadn't it, read all that. Well, I'll pare it, I'll pare <laughs> it down. But in other words, he's saying that the movie that he wrote and directed was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he said it was the script was unfinished. Well, obviously that's suicide. Like what the f- like I come into this podcast like missing a couple of notes and like it's a it's miserable. I can't imagine yeah. trying to write like make a movie without a script. Like, script what? It's good enough. I'll make a movie. Basically, eh, we'll figure it out. We'll get there. This guy did <laughs> For an entire movie, what we do for a shitty podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was just unprepared. <laughs> he just showed up. <laughs> he was like, oh, I'll figure it out. It'll work out. It'll I, can work ima- out. I can imagine Hackman blowing his lid at every, every at every stop. I can't imagine this going well for the director with Hackman being there. Because, I mean, he, for all intents and purposes, like, from what I understand, Hackman's a very serious actor. Like, yeah. he's not, he doesn't want to deal with this nonsense. All right, moving on, Eric. All right, coming in at number nine, Living Large, a comedy drama uh, grossing $5.5 million. An aspiring TV journalist, Dexter Jackson, Terrence T.C. Carson, heads down to a local crime scene to meet his industry idol. But in a bizarre turn of events, the reporter is killed and Jackson suddenly finds himself asked to step into the slain man's life. In order to achieve his dream of becoming an anchorman, however, Jackson must make some difficult decisions. The director, Michael Schultz, uh, he is the uh, original director of the original movie uh, Car Wash. In uh, so you're related to Charles Schultz. I don't know. <laughs> Charles M. Schultz. Yeah. <laughs> sure. He does have 113 directing credits. That was the only movie that kind of rang a bell because I know they redid Car Wash um, in the last 20 years or whatever. That's it? That's all you got? That's it. That's all I got. It wasn't worth much research. All right, coming in at number eight, Rambling Rose, earning $6.2 million. Rose is taken by the Hillar fam to serve as a 1930s housemaid so that she can avoid falling into a life of prostitution. Rose's appearance and personality is such that all men fall for her, and Rose knows it. She can't help herself from getting into trouble with men. Daddy Hillier soon grows tired of Rose's rambling ways. All right, so this movie is directed by Martha Coolidge, who she's got a lot of directorial credits, but Real Genius is the only movie that's really stood out to me. Um, That's the um, Val Kilmer? Yeah. Love that movie. So the important thing about this movie is it's starring Laura Dern and and Diane Ladd. In case you don't know, that's her mother. Laura Dern is Diane Ladd's daughter. Nice. In, in this movie, they were both nominated for Academy Awards, and it is the only 
instance of a mother daughter being nominated for Academy Awards in the same movie. So oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, worthy. But also, I learned from doing research on this movie that Laura Dern and Gina Davis are twice Eskimo sisters. So with who? <laughs> what does that mean? All right. So if you've never they, watched the they, league, <laughs> they inadvertently bang the same dude. But they're uh, twice Eskimo sisters. So <laughs> they bang the uh, same dude twice. No, like they have two, two different dudes. Two different dudes, right? Uh, so Lord uh, Gina Davis was married to um, Jeff Goldblum, as well as Rennie Harlan, and Laura Dern. Uh, well, she dated both of them. <laughs> I knew what you were getting at. You didn't need to finish the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's interesting. Rennie Harlan, huh? That's that's something. All right. Coming in at number seven, my own private Idaho grossed $6.4 million. This deserves a little bit of attention, and we'll get to why. Mike Waters lives on the street and befriends the somewhat older and streetwise Scott Favor. Waters suffers from narcolepsy and can fall asleep at any moment and in almost any circumstance. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it it sounds like (laughs) shit, but it gets better. Favor comes from a rich family and is rebelling against his old background. They travel together extensively. Waters is driven by the need to find his biological mother and spend time in Italy. Later in life, however, Favor has joined mainstream society and has little time in, for his old friend. So normally I keep the, the descriptions real short, right? But I wanted to give the description a little bit of um, leeway in this movie because it stars two people that I think deserve some acknowledgement. All right, so this movie stars Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix. I've never heard of this movie, and I didn't know these two men starred in the movie together. That's awesome. It's also directed by Gus Van Zant, who directed Goodwill Hunting, which say no more at that point. And then he also he directed the 1998 remake of Psycho with Vince Vaughn, which I believe maybe Psycho didn't need to be remade, but he also did it justice in the remake. People and he hate directed that movie though. People hate that movie. Well, because you know, because of the Hitchcock classic, but no. that that's fine. I understand. I understand the hatred for doing something. I was something gonna to say, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah. The leader who, of hatred who, of remakes. Who would who would I be to say that I I don't understand their hatred for such a thing? But nevertheless, it's okay. And he also directed Finding Forrester. So two men that definitely deserve a watch, and a director that's more than capable. It sounds like it was worth a watch. Okay. Coming in at number six, Late for Dinner, a drama sci-fi grossing $8.6 million. Two young men, one in need of medical attention, are cryogenically frozen in the early 1960s. The two are preoccupied with the fact that the police are pursuing them to realize what they're doing. The next thing they know is that they're stranded in a strange new world 30 years later. Is this Austin Powers? It's something, man. It's <laughs> the director, W.D. Richter. He has some good credits. He wrote The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He produced The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, which, um, yo, oh, don't, don't even ever watch oh, that yeah. movie. You want to talk about Please, a piece of shit? I want to watch it so time. bad because no, no, uh, no, no, I know no, you guys no. watched it. Ready because Player, player, player One. Yeah. We, we tried that. We tried it. Yeah, we, we, we went down that path. It, it, it's a path that leads to nowhere. The rabbit hole I shouldn't jump into. Yeah, it's not worth yeah. it, bro. You never get that uh, time back. He also wrote Big Trouble in Little China. 
Oh, that's a good movie. I really appreciate the audacity of a man that has the uh, that has the wherewithal to call himself by two first initials and then his last name. Like it's very twenties esque. A A Mill. Yeah, something (laughs) like that. Old school, man. It's old school. All right. So coming in at number five is Paradise. So this is a Disney movie, apparently, or at least it's from Disney Studios, I guess. When I was looking for this movie, I couldn't find it at first. I had to like really search. And then finally, I found the IMDb link for it. But like you couldn't just type it into IMDb and find this movie. It was really weird. So this movie earned $18.6 million starring Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson. Uh, they oh my play. God, I'm out already. <laughs> exactly. They play Lily and Ben Reed, a young couple torn apart by a family tragedy. It would take a miracle to rekindle their love, and a miracle ro- arrives in the form of their summer guest, Willard Young, played by Elijah Wood. Well, you got the cast. That's it. But this movie is directed by Mary Agnes Donahue, who I just want you to know wrote the number three movie of this month, Deceived. She could fuck off because that movie was a piece of shit. So thank you, lady, for ruining my week. All right. Well, there's that. (laughs) Coming in at number four, Necessary Roughness. If you are an 80s baby or maybe possibly even a 90s baby, you are very well versed in the VHS cover that is Necessary Roughness. However, I've never seen this movie still to this day. All right, so this movie grows Wait, 26... Hold on. Before you go on, yep. is there a movie called Unnecessary Roughness? I believe so. Definitely that, a movie isn't I'm that one with of. Keanu? No, that you're thinking of uh, The Replacements. Oh, okay. All <laughs> shitty football movies. First of all, I love The Replacements, so back off. I, I've never seen that either, but nothing Keanu does is shitty, so I take it back. So this movie grossed $26 million due to NCAA sanctions. The Texas State University fighting armadillos must form a football team from their actual student body with no scholarships to help to play their football schedule. This stars a lot of people. Scott Bakula, Hector Elizondo, who was in Pretty Woman. We did that last year. Robert Loja. I love saying the word, the name Loja. Loja. Uh, He's the boss in Big, or he's Frank in Scarface. Sinbad, Rob Schneider, Jason Bateman, and Kathy Ireland, among some others. Directed, God. Yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> Wait, Jason Bateman was acting at this point in time? Like, yeah, I had how no young idea. Is he? <laughs> Listen, I, I'll fight you over Jason Bateman. No, I'm he's not, one of my favorite. I, have no, I love Jason Bateman. I just had he's no idea early. he was working yet. That's all. All right. It's also directed by Stan Dragati. He has... Only seven directing credits. Uh, this was his last movie that he has he ever directed. He also directed Mr. Mom with Keaton and Man with One Red Shoe, which was with Tom Hanks. And that's it. All right. So like the top three movies, the bottom eight movies are pure fucking trash. Not a I one. Don't, I mean, besides I've the Keanu Reeves movie, I might want to watch or, that. But besides or necessary that, roughness. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. There's a few movies in here that had potential, but clearly yeah. they missed the mark. So, I, wow, this is tough well, to talk about. Over, over, over the head of 11, 10, and five year old us, or six year old us, rather, right? It's 100. This is not fitting into the 90s motif on which we have established this podcast. Right. No. <laughs> Coming in at number three, Deceived. 
grossing $28.7 million. Adrian Davis enjoyed her work. Why would anyone ever want to cover these little guys up? Loved her husband. I don't know what I'd do without you. You'd think of something. Adored her child. How are you doing, honey? Good. She thought her life was perfect. I love you. And I love you. Until a coincidence made her wonder. You know, the weirdest thing happened to me yesterday. I was with Charlotte at the Chesterfield Hotel. And she told me that she could have sworn she saw you go into the lounge there. Now there are questions she can't answer. You didn't go to Boston, did you? Suddenly I'm a liar. Mysteries she can't solve. They discovered a fake necklace at the museum. We traced the forgery to a jeweler in Stuttgart who said the necklace was made for a guy by the name of Daniel Sherman. Evidence she can't deny. You had his business card. I found it in your suit pocket. What else am I lying about, Adrian? What else? Suspicion she can't escape. A man with a social security number that your husband claimed was his died 16 years ago. Until there's only one thing she's sure of. I don't know who you are. Yes, you do. I'm your husband. Nothing is what it seems. Now we're all fair game. I'm going to ask the police to reinvestigate Jack's death. This complicates everything. We don't know who your husband was. Who knows anybody else, really? You know what I'm thinking? What? How lucky I am. Goldie Hawn. John Hurd. Deceived. I watched this movie last night. And um, I was curious because I'm sure I want to know Kevin's point of view on this movie. I'm really curious. I watched this movie a week ago and I'm so miserable that I did. I watched this movie today and I can't tell you what happened. <laughs> there wasn't a second of this movie that was even remotely well acted. You, you know, the only the only thought that I have about this entire movie that's worth speaking out loud is that this movie would have been a great 30 minute short because love it how. How much time did it spend doing nothing? It spent literally two hours almost doing nothing when all I needed was the last 30 minutes. It spent almost two hours doing nothing when the movie's an hour and 40 minutes long. That's, that's what I was curious well, about. What, what, what extra 20 minutes did you get? The bonus footage? I don't know. I felt like I watched a two-hour plus Director's movie. Director's cut. Bro, it felt, like it, it felt like a three-hour movie. It did. But it was an hour 40. I like, that should be an enjoyable movie. And what was the point of this movie? Let me tell you. I thought the point of the movie was not bad. I think what they did was it was the whole premise of the authentic authenticity of the Egyptian jewelry that this guy was doing. The kind of sidebar that made it less entertaining. I think they could have had a better kind of hit. could have had a better job that might have drawled you a little bit. But it had some good points to it. I'm not going to hate on this movie. Here's. Here's what made no sense about this movie, and you're gonna hate. And I'll this explain movie. it to you. The whole premise of this movie is that the wife is deceived, right? That's the premise of yes, this movie. Obviously. He's not. He's doing a long con. He's not really who he says he is. He's pretending to be this guy who works at a museum so he can steal ancient artifacts. However, what's the purpose of dece deceiving the wife? What's the purpose of having multiple families? None of these things tie into his scheme of stealing millions of dollars worth of jewelry. That's listen, that's that's very well put, but we have to go back to who's in this movie and what the plot is. So somebody please. All right. So this movie stars Goldie Hawn playing Adrian Saunders and John Hurd playing Jack Saunders. Uh this movie 
I, I really struggle to give you a plot. I mean, deceived. What's the plot? That's it. It's deceived. The wife is deceived by a husband that who says he's has multiple somebody. families. Yeah. And no, 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 no. You can't say that. You can't say that he the the plot of the movie is that he has multiple families because that doesn't happen until there's like 15 minutes left in the movie and it's like the most interesting thing that happens in this piece of shit. Is it interesting? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I, it? What purpose does it serve? It was crowbarred in. It was like they were like, "Oh, well we need a reason for him to be this insane piece of shit that she hold on. Wait, let let me backtrack. They're married for at least 6 years, right? At least six, because the kid has his, her mm -hmm. fifth birthday. She's fifth right. birthday, right. Okay. So at, at least, yeah, all right, whatever. So this guy is a murderous, adulterous, bigamist. A psycho. Felonist, whatever other felonist. is. Felonist. Yeah, felonist. Felonious. Sorry, felonious <laughs> is a word. Felonist is not. Piece of shit, right? This guy's a huge dirtbag. For six years, six straight years, there's never been an inkling of this man being anything other than an upstanding husband and father and an upstanding citizen. And all of a sudden, within three days, this guy's murdering people. He has a whole faking other family, death. faking his own death, stealing priceless works of art. Like murdering his best friend. Don't you understand <laughs> that he's been doing this the whole time? The escalation of this, all these events is because he got caught. It starts off with the guy right. authentic authenticating, thank you, the that Egyptian necklace, and he boils it and realizes it's fake. And that's where everything snowballs. He's been conning this girl. But hold on, he's wait. playing the long game. Yeah. He boiled the necklace. He put in an yeah, you know, acid, the... and it goes. Psst. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah okay. He realized <laughs> that it wasn't real gold, and that got that starts it all off. That's the snowball. He was playing a super That's long fine. Game That's all fine. Hold on, hold on. That's all fine. That's great. But why is he conning this woman? Like, because what's you gotta the understand purpose? He's also crazy. He's a psycho. Right. No. No. I get that. But you fix this movie. You fix my anger with this movie. I, I still won't like the movie, but at least I won't be so angry about it. You fix my anger with this movie. If all you have to do is she, what does she do? Her job is to, uh, what's the word when they curate. fix up old art? No, no, not just curate. She's like, she's not a curator. She's like a repairer. Uh, <laughs> no, there's a specific word. What do they, what, what do they call that? They, she don't know. So, Restoration. Yeah, she, she restores, restoration. She does restoration on old artifacts. Correct. Right. That's what she does. But she's in the same so realm you, of of the same job he's in. That's fine. Yes, exactly. So to make this movie make sense, all you have to do is make the reason that he is like swindling her is that he needs her to fix something, or he needs to use her somewhere in the line of his art stealing scheme. Right. But they don't. They don't. He doesn't use her for anything. Um, she serves maybe, no purpose in his. But why theory. does it have to have that kind of purpose? Maybe he would have stayed married to her forever if the scheme because kept there's working. No reason no, no, for no, him no, to no, be there. No, her. Chris is right. Chris is right because she doesn't have any reason to be there. It's just it's 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 happenstance. It's not there's there's no plot point. Right. He to her likes to play a role. Him. He likes to play a role. He took the identity of his friend. He took now he's playing that role. Then he marries this girl. He's playing the role and of the perfect father. He even has a whole again, uh, talk about didn't I be the perfect father? Wasn't I perfect? Again, again, all of this happens in the last thirty minutes of the movie. I didn't need the other hour. 
And she doesn't need to be. Then she doesn't need to be in the world of art. Then I, none of that matters. And listen, she. That's she, how they met. Go, Goldie, we keep on saying she. We got to give her a Goldie name. Horn. Goldie Horn. From the second that he's out of out of place in in for a half a day, he says he's going to Boston. Doesn't go to Boston. Go. He stays in New York City where this whole thing takes place. Goldie Horn catches him immediately. So you're gonna tell me that he found the time to have a whole other life and a whole other family when Goldie Horn notices the fact that he's missing for 24 exactly. hours? There's, exactly. There's no way that that makes sense in the real world. And movies. Look, I'll take huge leaps of faith in movies when you set. If you give me the rules of the world that I'm in, I'll play by those rules. But you can't set real world standards and then tell me that the guy goes missing for for 24 hours and Goldie Hawn figures it out. But yet for six years, he's had a second family. That shit doesn't make sense. I think they allude to the fact that he traveled a lot. He was moving all the time. He was away for months at a time, weeks at a time. You're, 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 hold on, hold on. You're making excuses for the movie, which is something Chris does all the time. I'm you not can't making excuses for the movie. You just love to tear movies apart. When I was watching this movie, no. I, I don't want to say it was this a great movie, movie but I, I was enthralled in some parts. Like I got sucked into some parts, and I was yes. entertained. Yeah, there were parts that were entertaining. Yes. I'm not going to deny yes. that. But and there was some great twist in the movie. You're the, you're the, analyzing the, the, the every little holes. nuance no, of the no. movie. This isn't every little nuance. It's not no, nuance. This is it's the overall. This is a theme. major, major, major plot hole. Major inconsistencies right. in this movie. Right. This isn't minor nuance. Listen, we're, we're giving this movie way more time than it deserves. We have to. Let's just continue to move on, okay? This movie is, uh, you know what I felt like watching this movie? Growing up, my mother would be folding laundry or like doing like house chores and having these bullshit, this type of movie on like while she's doing those chores. And that's exactly what this thing felt like. Like it's, this is a lifetime. This movie. is a Sunday matinee channel 11 lifetime B rated made for TV movie piece yep. of shit that I would never watch if it wasn't in the top three of, of of these movies this month. And you're right, Eric, in saying that it had compelling points because I felt myself wanting to be interested, but also being let down at the same time. All right. I'll, I'll agree with you. But yeah, like you're saying, when you were watching this movie, you can't tell me you weren't in your head going, oh, was it this guy? Is it this guy? I thought it was the best friend on the background, the whole movie. I'm like, it's got to be this guy. He's playing a shady character. Why is he the best friend? So I believe that slowness of the movie you're talking about was trying but to the build title. the anticipation of the but twist. The it was an M. Night Shyamalan bust. You know, he, they were trying to do these all these twists at the end, which were good. When the twist happened, you were like, holy crap. That's cool, but it dragged. I get it, but you can't tear it apart Here, and say it's a piece of shit. Here's where I'm gonna argue. Here's where I'm gonna argue with you though, because I I wasn't questioning who it was at any point in the movie. They very clearly made the the husband a creep in from the second he appears on screen. Number one, number two, Goldie Hawn's the main character. Number three, the name of the movie is Deceived. Yeah, the the, the who else is kind, deceiving her? Yeah, the Deceived kind of ruined it. But <laughs> okay. I, I, I watched it late. Like, I didn't I read that connection. Right? It was like ten o'clock at night when I started this movie. I I know. Again, I've done this before. I know I'm supposed to play this game in best role and worst role and best scene and worst scene. No, I, I have all blanks. I have all blanks because 
What was a good scene? The best part of this Nothing. movie was the last 30 minutes when she, when Goldie Horn started to figure things out and they crowbarred in this guy that he was this he was a piece of shit when like the whole entire movie he was fine. He was a fine human being. He was a great part of society. He was it's, it doesn't work. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Eric, you can like the movie if you like, but I don't. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I, I do have a best scene, by the way. Do you want to hear my best yeah, scene? I have one, too. So my best scene is when he crashes the car, because I was really excited. <laughs> thought he was dead. Right? But, then he was, but, then, but then he was alive, so I was sad again. <laughs> I, but then the car exploded, so I was happy again. I called the fact that... But in, got, I'm sorry. Hold on, but in, the, but in the end, he was really alive, yeah. so I was sad. <laughs> so the, but then he fell down an elevator shaft, so it was <laughs> then a happy it was yeah, a real had... roller coaster ride for you, was it? <laughs> yeah, I it actually was. had the car scene as my worst scene because it made no sense. Who the hell was driving it? If he crashed, he said there was, there was one. He said there was a bum in it, but who was swerving? Who was going back and forth when it flipped? So who was driving it? It didn't make any sense. The car crashed. The guy, the guy. So what? The guy accidentally killed himself. Right, then, that's if what he didn't wasn't make any in the sense. car. It was it driving for no a while. Sense. He made a full turn around the corner, hit a couple snowbanks, <laughs> then went over. This... It's like. All right, so how about I got a best scene for you, and then we can get rid of this movie because you hate, hate, hate. Um, when she finds out that Jack, who's John Hurd, her deceiving husband, is still alive, and she finds him at her, his real mother's house, and you're like, holy crap, he's alive, what's going on? And he kind of alludes to the fact that, oh, maybe he's not this bad guy. And then he walks out of the room, and you see his mother you know, suffocated in a plastic bag. So you had a bit of a... A, a, a emotional roller coaster right there, like oh he's alive, oh he's oh he's not the bad guy, and then you're like oh oh shit, he just killed his own mom. Best role, worst role, do we have any? Uh, the, this, the acting in this movie was atrocious. Worst role, everything was stiff, everything was robotic. I tried to give it nobody, to the kid. Nobody. I, I couldn't even give it to the little kid. I didn't even enjoy the little kid in this movie. <laughs> but didn't it just seem like everyone was just. Hello, how are no, you? They were, they were, nice I felt like you. everybody was eating Xanax, bro. Goldie everybody Hawn was, was Goldie so Hawn was Goldie Hawn. Yes. She didn't. She played herself. Was, no, everybody. But Goldie Hawn sucks. Everybody so it was like, on I mean, downers. What's in that this point? Movie. Everybody. I'm with Kevin. The yeah. Director. I, it was. What was happening? And John Hurd's not good in anything, but oh, Hall Hall and his yeah, dad. Yeah. He's also shit in Home Alone. <laughs> Arguably shit in Home Alone. Yeah. He's a shit. He, you know what? You know what else? He's, a shit he's in The Sopranos, and he's shit in The Sopranos, no, he, too. He play, you know what? <laughs> he plays a good piece of shit in The Sopranos, so maybe he is actually a dirtbag. Yeah, you're right. John you're right. Heard, you know what? He was a good piece John Hurd, you're my new enemy, John Hurd. <laughs> <laughs> right, quotes, All right, quotes. Worst role. Well, hold Everybody? on. Worst role. John Hurd. How's John Hurd? John Hurd yeah. is the Goldie worst Horn, role, yes. maybe? Goldie Hawn's a very close second, and everyone else is right The little girl? The maid? She's baby. The Leave second little wife. girl alone can stop all hating on everybody. She's a baby. All right, quotes. My yeah. quote is from Goldie Hawn. When she goes to get the necklace back from like the neighbor's kid and they they're yeah. they're doing like the PC parent thing in 1991, and Goldie Hawn goes, "Oh for Christ's sake, isn't anybody in charge around here?" and rips the necklace off the the, the teddy bear or whatever. Best scene in the, the whole only movie. quote worth mentioning. The only oh, quote yep. and only the quote. only scene worth mentioning in this whole movie. Yes. Yep. Anything else? That's it. I, I had the it. same quote. Oh, that's too. it. Let's Moving move on. on. Do not Thank see you. this movie then. Fine. I'll never see it no, again, no. but I enjoyed the ride. 
Yeah, that's all right. So then let's do our vote. Would you recommend this movie? I say no. Chris? No. 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 I was forced to. No, I would not recommend the movie. I was forced to watch it and I forced myself to enjoy it. So there. Okay. <laughs> but don't do that. Then then we, then we I win and this movie is a piece of shit. Coming in at number two, yes. who's up? I'm up. And I feel like you gave me this movie on purpose. <laughs> Maybe. Coming in at number two, Freddy's Dead. The Final Nightmare, earning $34.8 million. As a boy, he was always different. No one understood him. You ready for it, boy? It's time to take your medicine. Thank you, sir. No one could control him. Inside, honey. But now, it's a new beginning. The beginning of the end for Freddy. Every town has an Elm Street. <laughs> I'm screaming while the bus is in motion. It's your mind you'll go for. Hit him with everything we've got. Now I'm playing with power. We're in Twin Peaks here. What's with kids today, huh? Freddy's dead. The final nightmare. Great graphics. They saved the best for last. All right, so I want to lead this conversation by saying, do, does this movie have a plot? <laughs> this isn't a movie. This is not a movie. I don't know what this was, <laughs> I don't know what the dude. Wait, this you're, was, you're, this was Chris, movie. Chris, I'm 100% on board. This is not a movie. This... Can we for the first – hold on. Can we just stop right now? The only thing worth mentioning in this entire movie – there's two things. I'm sorry, two things. One, Brecken Myers' first movie. Okay, maybe we can mention Our that. Trip. Two, jo- Johnny Depp's cameo was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Outside of that, can we just move to the number one movie? I'm, I'm, we got to talk about how bad this movie was. L- who's in this movie? Anybody have the actors and actresses? All right. You, you do have Robert England. England, Kevin? Sorry. England. Um, who's been Freddy Krueger in every movie. And then, yes, uh, Chris Reck- uh, mentioned you have Brecken Myers, who we uh, know from being Josh and Road Trip. And um, he was Travis and Clueless. It was his first movie. But everyone else is a nobody. Okay. Uh, who's the director? Rachel, Rachel Talala. Um, has she done anything? Oh yeah, she did Tank Girl, and then went directly to nothing but TV for the rest of her life. That tells you. Why something. does everyone that Eric talks about was in Tank Girl? I, 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 right, Tank Girl. <laughs> and then their career was ruined shortly thereafter. Right, it was Tank Girl, and then you're for shit for the rest of your life. Go do some TV crap. The, the first 10 minutes of this movie was utter, utterly confusing to me. I had no idea it's what was for, going on. Yeah. No, it wasn't the first 10 minutes. It was the first hour and 29 minutes. It was utterly confusing do, and do you pointless. Know, do you know that this is the only movie I've ever watched before where I was begging for some exposition? I was begging <laughs> for somebody to tell me what was going on in this movie. 
I couldn't tell. Like, were they awake or were they asleep? Well, no, oh, I don't right, know. All right, all right. So that's something that the Nightmare on Elm Street movies do on purpose. But so you had no. But the, even the parts where they were supposed to be awake, it was like they were asleep because the the townspeople are. That crazy. was weird. All bro. of a sudden, Rose real life was Rose made bars there. All of a sudden, well, let me ask you this: Were you guys into these Freddy movies when you were younger? Yes. One, two, three. The yes. original yes. number one. Yes, number the, all one. of no, 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 all of them. I, Nightmare on Elm Street. I was into all of them, and I think the last one was Dream Child. Was like the last kind of end of the good run, and, and I can't tell you, I don't remember them that well but i don't remember yeah. them being anything like this no this movie they, so i didn't understand how they never explained anything about what was going on did the kid go back in time number one is that i didn't understand that because it said 10 years ago or 10 years in the future in the like the opening for why was that the only exposition in the movie i got like three sentences about there was no what was background going on, to anybody it, or where anything was coming from and then he was pushed into like this, like he warped into this town. I don't understand. Was that a dream? Was that the future? Was that the past? I didn't, that's what I'm I, saying. I didn't get yeah. that. No, that, that's then, what Chris is saying. You didn't know whether it was dream reality or just the movie. And, and not because they didn't. And not because they didn't want you to know. Just because you couldn't. No, you help. couldn't figure like, it out. It wasn't. It wasn't done on purpose. You just didn't know what the fuck was going on. All right. So then let's fast forward because we. I would normally say let's like go over the plot and what happened, but this movie is the definition of incoherent, right? Correct. I know I use that word from time to time, but this is indecipherable of what's going on. So. And then they go to the town where this problem has been happening or whatever. And all of a sudden, everybody knows who Freddy is. Before, nobody knew who Freddy was other than this guy, John Doe, who's played by whatever his name is. What's his name? All right. But this part, no, no, no. Because this part is fine. It's the town. It's where Freddy's. No, no, no. Whole I'm not talking about started. the town's people. I'm talking about the people that traveled to the town. The girl that's like the psychiatrist or whatever, all of a sudden she's familiar with Freddy and the Well, I mean, in the end she is Freddy's daughter. Yeah, so. but she didn't know that. But yeah, where's the connection? <laughs> yeah, and that's also like a huge like that's like, oh, this movie took a left turn. Let's just make her Freddy's daughter then and then it'll make sense again somehow. But talk about the town too. <laughs> If I'm not mistaken, in the original Freddy's, it was a normal suburban town with regular houses. And people were just living their lives. And, and these kids, I think Freddy was going after the kids of the parents who originally killed him or something right. like that. Yeah. Right. What but was this also town? Wasn't That's the whole thing. Wasn't Freddy's character the reason was because like they thought he was something that he wasn't. So they... They killed him, and then he was getting his revenge. Not that he was an actual. Oh no, no, he was a bad guy, guy and the town took the justice into their own hands and burnt his house down and killed him or something. Yeah, and he was coming back to kill the kids of the parents that killed him or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, so I, I but like you said, this town where they pull up into where the carnival's going on, everyone looks. I didn't even know what it was. It looked like it was a crazy dream, but it was actually real. And then they made it even crazier by having Roseanne there and Tom, <laughs> and Tom Arnold. Arnold and Tom Arnold. Where did that come from? 
I love those cameos. He was with Roseanne. He was the guy with Roseanne. They were the most the most needless, pointless cameos of all time. And uh, I, unless I, that was you, the best part of this movie. Unless you talk about Johnny Depp being in the in the TV commercial with "This Is Your Brain on Drugs." That's that's that not was, that was that's good. not a pointless, needless cameo because he was the first role Johnny Depp ever had was the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah, well, good point. He was the, he was the kid eaten by the bed. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Google Dolls doing the intro song because I watched this on Amazon Prime and I hit the up button and the song playing in the intro was by Google Dolls. So that's really great, really solid 90s knowledge right there. No use outside of 90s knowledge, but there you have it. All right. So the budget in this movie, which we normally don't give a shit about, but I cared because I needed to understand what the budget was. It was 11 plus million dollars and the special effects didn't even try. It was like I could have done worse in Photoshop for this movie. Better, you mean? No, or or better or worse. I think the only reason this movie made any money is because it was riding on the coattails of the originals and people went to see this and they they had to be just confused as we are. What about the girl that was like a kickboxer or whatever, but now me having been in balls deep in MMA over the past two years, realizing that she couldn't throw a punch or a kick to she save her a life. She kickboxer. She was like a, like a homeless kid in a shelter and she was just working yeah, out she, on her own. She was like, she was like can the we, tough girl. She was supposed no. to be like a super badass, badass. Can, can that we, was like us when we were kids and her? we would hit a punchy bag and think we were like Bruce Lee. It was It hard. wasn't she, supposed to be that on. though. Hold on. Hold on. Because she, that girl had the best line in this whole movie. Which was what? <laughs> I can relax you with these two fingers. I'll punch your, I'll punch you through your heart. Mess up these seats. <laughs> oh, that was the best line. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'll punch. I'll, I'll punch you with two I'm gonna fingers. I'm going to say it Go again. Ahead. I'm going to say it again. I can relax you with these two fingers. I'll punch you through your heart. Mess up these seats. Seems like three different things that she's yeah. talking about. <laughs> That's one sentence. All right. What about the fact that Freddy all of a sudden collects souls at the end of this movie, and then no, he doesn't. Just, no, no, he doesn't just collect. And souls. then he's he able. Souls. He's all. He's also <laughs> able to push those souls into other people. Like that was like a apparently. And now he can inhabit bodies, like what's that called? Possess That's, bodies, yeah. and then go into the real world. Yeah, I, uh, I think it was because that was the whole point of it. That girl being his daughter is because if if he got with her or near her, he could leave the dream world. There's, I think that's what yeah, they well, were they going suck- with, but it was so. And then they sucked them into the real world, and then was- well, that was the end. How they kill him. Well, right. wh- what was with it being so slapstick? Everything was a joke. I don't even think that there yeah, was that, maybe no, one no, 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 second no. of this movie that was that was scary at all. Yeah, that that's a problem for me. But the 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 Nightmare on Elm Streets were always slapstick a, a little bit. And every horror movie gets to this point, right? Like every ser- horror movie series gets yeah. to this point. Yeah, that it's like but, gone off the rails. Yeah, but like again, like but that's what makes it bad. That's why I didn't want to watch it. But as an adult, there wasn't one scene in this entire movie that was even remotely scary. Not remotely. So I don't. None. All right. Categories. You're, yeah. Bang you're, out. Best role? Freddy. It has to be Freddy because I mean, without the movie. It's I mean, I guess. Yeah. Because everything else is terrible. Worst role? 
John the, Doe. The, all the kids. No, the kids were awful. I disagree. I disagree. The therapist or psychologist, whatever that oh, she, Maggie. she was, she was. Yeah, Maggie yeah, was oh, bad. Boy. She was in my notice as possibly the worst. Because she's the she's the second lead, and she did nothing for this movie. I agree. Okay. Also, we need to go over the fact that Yafet Koto, who plays uh, Parker in the original movie Alien, is the black psychiatrist in this movie. Oh yeah. Whatever, however he did or didn't do in this movie, I need that man in my life. That man is an amazing actor. I don't care what happened with him oh. in this movie. He's a beautiful soul. I, I will say, though, like he didn't poorly act the role, but it's not a good yeah, movie. It's a terrible it's movie. It's not a good role. Yeah. So it's like, how could he be good? He can't. He was the fast. one that understood See, the was... dream psychology, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I got to be honest, like I, I was like really thinking about it. I'm like, how does Breck and Meyer have any career after this movie? They like, were all bad. Because. All bad. Like, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, you know what I did remember? How does anyone watch this movie and think, you know what? Let's give this kid another chance because the, he didn't do anything deserving of another. You chance. know what I did remember though was the map scene. Remember when the kid was in the back of the van and the map kept like unfolding and unfolding till he's like swimming in a map. I remember my worst scene. I remembered <laughs> that. Now I can't remember what I'm supposed to do tomorrow, what my wife told me yesterday, but I remember an obscure scene from this piece of shit movie that I saw 20 years ago somehow. But do you so remember that, that <laughs> scene from this movie or that scene that's been probably played out in a, in a million other movies? No, no, I remember. I said, watching it with Elena, because she came and sat down with me for like 10 minutes or whatever, and I said the same exact thing to her. I was like, I don't understand my own brain. <laughs> I don't know how this thing works, but here we are. <laughs> but I don't understand how any of that even happened, because how is Freddy affecting the real world? It didn't make any no, sense. No, that's the, that's the thing that Nightmare on Elm Street does. You're asleep. You're awake. You don't know if they're asleep. They're awake. That's like that's how the the, the, the series But then progressed. arguably in this movie, they were asleep for 90% right, of the movie. Because they were but definitely awake. She was driving that, and going, yo, what, like, where are we going? I was, no, exactly. The, and then I was like, wait, is this Freddy with Inception? Yeah. yeah because yeah, like, it's a dream know, within a dream. I'm okay with that. It wasn't okay clear. It wasn't clear. Just, All right. Uh, best scene? Okay, best scene was the one scene I thought was maybe leading this movie into a scary movie is when the kid that couldn't hear, he's in the dream and yeah, Freddy's yeah, chasing yeah, him yeah, yeah. and yeah, the, yeah. the nurse or something comes at him with, with the Q-tip and she starts jamming yep. it slowly through his ear. I'm like, all right, here all right. we go. This It was early on too. It was one of the first dream sequences. I go, here we go. This is going to be a scary movie from this point on. It's not going to be a piece of shit. And it instantly unraveled to a piece of shit within seconds after that. You mean what? When Freddie goes, good to hear from you, Carlos. <laughs> like right afterwards. <laughs> okay. the, my, my best scene was Freddie playing Nintendo. And then he had the power glove, which leans, which leads into my, my favorite quote, <laughs> which is Freddie scream or yelling. Now I'm playing with power. See, that was my worst it's scene. Like it, uh, that was my worst scene. What? Well, How is that bad? Well, the, the, the power glove was good but then he's going and then he's the kids are in a video game you go bouncy 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 bounce. it was awful bro it was such a joke i thought that's he's not that, wrong and then all of a sudden breckard myers in the real world nightmare yeah, yeah he's bouncing character. around like a, i thought that was the worst scene yeah but this is how it is it's part like goofy scary freddy's a joke he's not a joke like this is the way it is so all right Kevin, I'm, I got to take your role right now and just say, we have to be done with this fucking movie right now. Facts. Okay. All right. 
Coming in at number one, The Fisher King, grossing $41.8 million. Okay, Jack, we're on the air in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, it's Monday morning, and I'm Jack Lucas. In the world of talk radio, Jack Lucas was king. Look, I said I want an offer. They can forget it. To stay on top, he did whatever he had to. Forgive me! But one day, Jack went too far. It was Mr. Lucas's offhand remark that seemed to have fatal impact on Mr. Malnick. No matter what I have, it feels like I have nothing. Yo, what's going on? And just when he was about to give up on his own life, <laughs> he stumbled into Perry's. Unhand the degenerate and remove your presence! I like New York in June. How about you? You know who I am? A hood ornament. No. I'm a knight on a special quest. A quest. And I need help. You're out of your mind! Yes! Now, Jack has to do something he's never done before. Isn't she a vision? I'm deeply smitten. Help someone else. I thought that if I could get him this, uh, this girl that he loves, things would change for me. Let's do it right here. Let's go to that place of slender in the grass. And this is Perry. Perry. Perry Perry. No, it is Perry. Huh? Like Moses. <laughs> I think they were made for each other. <laughs> Scary, but true. Sometimes to find yourself. I'm the janitor of God. You find some pretty wonderful things in the trash. You have to risk it all. Bingo! I'm not doing that. Robin Williams, Jeff Bridges, The Fisher King. I love it, guys! All right, here's a Robin Williams movie that I might not like. All right. You may not like it, but there are good things about this movie, at least. Like, unlike the last two movies, this movie has points where, like, someone tried to put a movie together here. No, it's no, not no, no. Like- I disagree. I, I, I disagree that somebody tried to put a movie together. What I think is that you had Robin Williams and Jeff, uh, what's his name? Bridges. And Jeff Bridges, Bridges in a movie that struggled to put together a coherent movie in spite of the director and or writer. Well, wait, two actors that are phenomenal dragging on a movie that was crap, but, you know, they they carry it well because it's who they are. Yeah, I guess I can see that because like really, what was the direction of this movie? Like, where were they heading? Who are the actors in this movie, Eric? Uh, yeah, Jeff Bridges uh, playing Jack, and Robin Williams playing Perry, and Amanda Plummer playing Lydia. And you had Mercedes Rule playing Anne. Who's Mercedes Rule? Uh, so she was uh Jack's girl. Uh, sorry, Jeff's girlfriend. The second girlfriend, the one after he like loses it all. She's also the mother in Big. Oh yeah, that's true too. Um, do you want to do you want to hear my Mercedes Rule story? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> I'm just confused that you have a Mercedes Rule story. We didn't do that <laughs> twice, did we, Chris? All right. So Mercedes Rule, the mother from Big, is a frequent customer client of my mother's salon in the Hamptons, right? 
Okay, along with other celebrities. So yeah, but Plunk. this one this one's important to me. Do you know why? Because why? for some reason the topic of conversation is how I'm doing when Mercedes Rule goes into my mother's salon. <laughs> so Mercedes Rule, having never met me, is aware of my existence, and that's my seven degrees of separation story. And now we're talking about a movie that she's in where she plays some weirdo girlfriend. And I don't know. I'd argue she's the only coherent character in this entire movie. I disagree. How so? All right. So I really like the character uh, Jeff Bridges plays, Jack. So he's supposed to be this like shock jock, crazy lunatic human being, like so self What's the word? Self. Uh, he's like a Howard Stern. Of, he's so yes, sure of himself. Like Howard he's, Stern. he's Howard Stern, but like he's more of a jerk than Howard Stern. Yes. You know what I mean? Like he's he, a real he, world jerk. But he's just okay with being a jerk. Like he's, he's accepting of it. He's confident in himself, and I think his character is the only one that you actually see real growth from throughout this entire movie. So I thought Jeff Bridges did a good job, Chris. I, I think agree. Jeff Bridges himself did an amazing job, but I'm talking yeah. about just the character right now. So you have this guy who's a piece of shit, right? He accidentally leads this man to open fire in a, in a club and kill seven people and himself. You have to give more context than that. All right. So Jeff Bridges is a nighttime radio show host, a shock jock. He's constantly just taking calls, random calls. And one night this guy calls in and says, I, I found the love of my life. And he says, be careful, guy, because these women, they trick you. They're just trying to take everything from you. Don't believe him, whatever. So this guy interprets that as, oh, I should just go kill this woman and everybody else around her. And Jeff Bridges feels so unbelievably responsible for this. It's the first time in his life that I can feel from this movie that he feels responsible for anything. Yeah, right. And he takes ownership of. Right. And you see it because Jeff Bridges like I'm not the biggest Jeff Bridges fan. I don't Same. dislike Jeff Bridges. I'm just, I'm just not the biggest fan. But in this movie, I could feel the levity of his character. I could feel the transition from Dick to oh shit, I fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And that was a good scene too when he that, sees the news report on the TV at home. He's all hyped up about he's about to get the new gig of his life. Uh, he's going to be part of a big TV series, and then he sees this newscaster say this guy blew the you know shot everybody. You it, that was a very powerful scene in the movie. Right. And so what this leads to, and you later find out, is that this totally derails his career. But it's not because people don't want to hire him anymore. It's because he can't do it anymore. You know what I mean? It's not. So to say that the girlfriend is the only real character, I disagree because Jeff Bridges' character goes through real turmoil that is all on him. It's not the outside influence. It's he was a dick. He was okay with being a dick, but it got so real that he had to bail on his entire life. All right. You convinced me. Now I'm yeah. sold. And then, I'll so what Chris. about Robin Williams then? Now, Robin Williams' character, this is where I really have a lot of trouble because as amazing as Robin Williams is, this character was just, I, I, I get it, but they were trying to do that he's lost his mind because his wife was one of the people killed by this person I mean, who had called Jack, right? And she was killed in front of him. And by the way, that's the most brutal murder scene I've ever oh, seen. That scene is insane, by the I way. Think, I, think we need, uh, I think we need more distinct clarification. The, the guy that shot up everybody wherever that was is the same guy that killed Robin Williams' girlfriend. Are we right, all on wife. the same page with that? Yeah, wife. Yeah. 
at that time. And and that's the whole thing. Like Robin Williams was a successful professor. He was a very intelligent man, but that whole moment, because seeing his wife killed right in front of his eyes, not just killed. Yeah, he, her, her brains were splattered on his face. Right, like big that was chunk too. That was a big yeah, that chunk. Was, that was an unnecessary in his mouth almost an unnecessarily large chunk of brain. Yeah. Spoiler, yes. spoiler alert! That's my worst scene of the whole movie because I didn't need that much brain. No, that was way too <laughs> gruesome in this movie. It was like scalp stuck in his mouth. But go on. But so, like, I get what they're trying to do, and he's all these demons, and they and it manifests as actual demons in his mind, and he creates this whole scenario where he's on a quest for the Holy Grail because he's completely lost his mind, but it's just like, it doesn't land. No, I, I, a thousand percent. I, I, I do much. I didn't, I couldn't connect with that character at all. Like, cause I know where you were going. I know what you were trying to do, but it just didn't land. I feel like char- lack of character development is a theme throughout all these three movies. Lack of character development. Robin Williams was crazy, and but like, I didn't know this person. Like, I didn't know him. I didn't know Robin Williams' character before, before he went crazy. Yep. So I didn't have anything invested in his life to say that I need him to be okay again because I met him crazy. Right. And it's, there's no, right. Exactly. There's no context. Like he's, that's just Robin Williams. That's his character. That's Parry. There is no other character. It's just Parry. And I'm rooting for him. I want him to get the girl, but at the end of the day, him being crazy is the character. Right. As much as we all love Robin Williams, um, I feel like sometimes he needs to be directed. He, I think the director had no control over him whatsoever in this movie. He just, you be Robin Williams. Maybe even this part was writ for a Robin Williams character. And he just went off his rails like Robin Williams can do. I'm going to step on my favorite scene, right? My favorite scene is when the girl, they go out on a date or the four of them go to the Chinese dinner. And then Robin Williams character, which is Parry, walks Lydia home and Lydia's going on about how you're going to come up for coffee and then we're going to have a drink and then we're going to have sex and you're never going to call me again. And Robin Williams is talking about how I don't want to come up and I just like you in this. And that in itself was Robin Williams at his finest. And then every other time you ever saw Robin Williams where he was trying to further along the plot, I felt like was the worst version of Robin Williams. Yeah. So just to go back to that, quintessential Robin Williams. I have the whole quote here and it's just, it's a back and forth. So it starts with the girlfriend and she's like, I don't feel very well. And he says, well, no wonder we just met, made love and broke up all in a matter of 30 seconds. And I don't remember having the first kiss, which I think is the best part. Listen, it was so very special to meet you. Me too. But I think you should shut up now. I'm not coming upstairs with you. That was never my intention. Oh, you don't want to? Yeah, I do. I've had a heart on you for the size of Florida. Like, <laughs> see that's, like, that's that's Robin Williams to a T. Yeah. Yes, that's that's both sweet and aggressive at the same right. time somehow. Which is Robin Williams, yes. right? Like, yes. like like you said, it's quintessential. Like that was the best Robin Williams moment you got the entire the movie. entire movie. Which is I, why I had to go back and write that whole quote. And it's like, I'm but where was did. that the rest of the movie? I like that we're all on the same page with this movie. Yeah. Um. And again, it's not, it's not that I didn't like what Robin Williams was doing. It just didn't, it didn't mean anything. 
the movie didn't work because I didn't. I wasn't invested in any of the people. You know, See, I disagree. I'm, I'm going to disagree. I was very invested in Jeff Bridges' character. That's fair. Yes. I just didn't. I didn't like the feel of it. So it that's a personal preference, and I I'll, I'll accept the fact that I'm wrong in saying that. I'm okay with that, but you know, I don't like that early 90s waspy yuppie that character makes me feel queasy and that's exactly what we had here but But that's what they wanted okay i'm on board bro (laughs) i said i'm wrong you know that's just personal preference i understand your point that that's who he was and his character progression and he's the only guy who had an arc maybe so to speak so i'm on board with all that stuff Let's hit some scenes, I guess, unless anybody has any other notes they they want to bring up. I think we covered it all because, like, we're, we're all on the same page. It's just, it's a movie that we understand where they're going, but what missed was it? It missed it. It missed it big time. Yeah. And there are good parts and there are enjoyable parts, but overall, it just was not a great watch. I I wrote. I wrote seven minutes in, which is you know way early, way too early to judge the movie. Too soon but, for this. But this, I wrote seven minutes in, and this movie has maybe has done everything in its power to make me hate it. Like you had Jeff Bridges' girlfriend, who was a capable actress. You have Jeff Bridges. You had Robin Williams. You had three at least very capable actors to perform. And the person who's playing Lydia, like she nails that quirky, crazy, like yeah, you you had like behind the scenes woman who just gets getting pushed under the rug, right? Like she was great, great. And she she was funny and she was whimsical. Is that the word I'm looking sure. for? Like, yeah, sure. yeah. It's just very quirky, right? But like, they didn't put it together the right way. It, and I and so if you have the actors and the actresses and the pieces in place, then it's either one of two things, right? It's either real shit writing or real shit directing. One or the other has has to be true. So, anyway, it's definitely a little bit of both here. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. All right, best scene. We already spoke about it a little bit before. My best scene was uh, when Jeff Bridges is, you know, it's after he's at home. He's he's practicing his lines for his audition for the, the role in the television show. And he's going, forgive me. And he's saying yeah. it like over and over again, a whole bunch of different times. Like you kind of feel excited for him. He's getting this big break and he's all excited. And then all of a sudden the news comes on and he's on the news and he thinks this is a good thing, right? Because they're talking about him. And then it's like, well, because of what you just said, this guy just went and killed seven people and he just, his face drops, the emotion changes. The, the I thought that was the best acted scene in the entire movie. And like I said before, I never knew Jeff Bridges to be that good of an actor to really make me feel the things he made me feel. Okay. Eric? Um, my best scene, I had two. I, had two. I, I like the scene where Jeff Bridges is climbing the 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 castle as it is where he's looking for the holy grail you know he's got the grappling hook and and in my head he's climbing this building i'm thinking what if somebody what if somebody looks up and as he's climbing the building goes thank god no one looks up in this city (laughs) i thought it was a good scene i was kind of enjoying the whole kind of breaking and entering part of the the movie i thought that was pretty good my other scene was when they're walking to dinner um right before the blind date at the chinese food restaurant and perry's talking to the his love interest and, and as he's walking, he sees a pile of garbage with a liquor bottle in it. And he just subconsciously grabs the liquor bottle. He starts to open it. And Jeff Bridges smacks it out of his hand like, you know, you're not a bum <laughs> right now. You're, you're trying to smooth this girl, you know, get out of being the bum right now. And I I, I like that scene, too. Yeah, that's good. 
I see there were quirky things like that, that you mentioned it like Jeff Bridges is putting on one of Jeff Bridges' suits onto Robin Williams. But he's, he, stapling he's, it. he's stapling the hems and he has like staples all throughout the, like, like the sleeves hundreds, and, hundreds and the legs. Yeah, like think, little silly things like that about this movie were quirky, funny, and worked. But the movie start to finish, it definitely, it missed the mark. I guess my best scene is what Chris explained before, the discussion that we had where Robin Williams is explaining to the girl why he doesn't want to come up and you know what he thinks of her and how he's in love with her like that they i feel like I, i'm rehashing but they left robin williams alone to be robin williams for 30 seconds in this movie and it was the best 30 seconds of the entire movie worst scene my worst scene is all of what i call the dungeons and dragons stuff where robin williams thought he was uh a knight on quest. in in, uh, in camelot and on a quest like all of that stuff was crowbarred in and it it didn't fit and it didn't make sense and it didn't feel it didn't feel like it it belonged in the movie. Yeah, right. And it's a part that too like there's no reason for it, right? Like what what is the point of the Holy Grail quest? Like where did that come from? Because if you gave us some sort of background information about his character before yeah, exactly. he went crazy that exactly. okay, he was a nerd or he was into yeah, okay. They did give a little background to it because he was an English professor and he was obsessed with this one or he liked this one book, which was about the Holy Grail. They showed the book in his his thing. It wasn't enough. No, I'm agreeing with you. It didn't fit, but there was a connection. And then, which we didn't even talk about, the the director, Terry Gillum. The only thing he's known for is Monty Python. And the Holy Grail, and, And the Holy Grail. And that red knight that was in this movie was cut and pasted directly out of a Monty Python uh, movie. It was that that's kind of where this whole holy quest came from. It made no sense, but you can make a little sense of it by who the director was. You, yeah, but that's not it's not my job to go back and piece together how this thing could make sense. You're supposed to make oh, it I'm not saying it made sense. I'm just saying that's where it comes from. Yeah. No, I, I'm on board with you. I'm just making the point that the director failed at his job. And also, like, maybe Williams and Jeff Bridges signed on because this guy is who he was with the Monty Python clan or whatever. But he is obviously not capable of directing a movie like this from start to finish by himself. So, Well, he directed the Holy the Monty Python and the Holy Grail, so. Hold on, dude. Are we going to say that that's a fucking coherent movie? I mean, that is such a... <laughs> you have to be in a certain cult for that to be a cult classic, which yeah, I'm I in. Know. I love Monty Python, I, no, 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 but no. Yeah, most people do not. Money, certain Monty Pythons are thoroughly entertaining at points, but from from sit down sober from start to finish and watch no, a Monty you can't, Python you can't. movie. Yeah, no. There's not a Monty Python that ends even coherently. They're all... They, he's like he gives up after like but 20 minutes left of a movie. He goes... Eh, let's just end it this way. All right. Uh, I didn't give my. We did, we did best role, a best scene. I mean, we didn't do. I didn't do my worst scene yet. Which uh, is the guy singing to Lydia at her job. That the one bum that he hires and he's just like. I kind of like that. In drag. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. First of all, what did you like about it? Because it served no purpose. It no, no, doesn't I just like the, the movie scene. at all. Yeah, that's that's fine. fine but I like the scene this, by itself. Well. It, that that scene doesn't fit like all these other things that don't fit into the movie. This is the thing that fits the least. Okay. So, I just like the guy being wild. 
All right. Fine. He was just another bum that no, he you, met. Yeah. It look, fit. bro, your point is your point fine. is valid. I'm just saying I enjoyed the 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 60 seconds. That's all. But there I, was also I a scene where Jeff Bridges like sees him and he goes, "I can't believe I'm um, associated with these people." Yeah. So well, there's also kind of brings it in. Right. When Jeff Bridges becomes a dick again because he gets his job yeah, back. We're doing, and then he just we're, doing the, the guy. we're doing the plot no justice because fucking Jeff Bridges goes from dick to like um what's the word? Um nice com- guy. He's trying he's a redeemer. He's trying to redeem compassionate, compassionate. He goes from dick to compassionate, back to dick, and then back to compassionate again. We we've done that that point that point of the story no justice, but it was also See, well, th- that only lost. Proves... that's lost in the in the in that's the, the direction like right it's why lost you... in the, the 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 rest of go ahead maybe you can why 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 are you gonna take away all the good that Jack has done in the movie? Just to have him be a dick again, so we can have another arc of him needing to become good again. It was redundant. Like, but right, all, and but became also, a dick way too fast. I don't put that on the actor. Oh, ever. I put that, but also that's a bit realistic, though. Maybe a little bit too quick, but also realistic in the sense that you lost, you had everything. You were a huge dick. That's the person that you are when you have everything, right? right. That's who you are as a, as a human being. When you lose everything. Okay, you're forced to be humbled. Okay, then he goes back and he gets everything again. Now he's a dick again, right? But then he realizes his dick ways and fucking and you know he becomes a humble, compassionate human being again. So the arc is, you know, a little bit redundant, yes, but also I think a, a bit realistic in that sense, where that's probably right. what would happen. You convince me. You convince right. me. I, I I like it now, actually. <laughs> where are we? In this world, uh, Kevin's worst role. scene. No, he no, did his Kevin's worst scene. My no, worst. I did scene. that. I did worse. You, Eric, what's what's your worst uh, scene? My worst scene might have been the double date in the Chinese food place. I, I like the I, double date. Yeah, it no, had its point, but it was it. They made it almost like a montage, which I know you guys love, but the montage didn't make it any shorter. And it just kept going. And, you know, I got the point it was making that he's quirky, she's quirky. This is how they're having a connection, but it kept going. And, and that you know, was all right, fair, fair. It was too long. It I was don't, too long. I don't like in movies when people are incapable of being human. Like they were, they, they, it was like, it was like as if a dog had come to life and that was what was sitting at the table, had no idea how to be a human being. Like, that's not just, realistic. Just belching and slurping and, and dropping yeah, food and yeah, picking and, food up off the floor and eating it. And, yeah, yeah, just like you, you, you're an infant, you're not a person, guess, you're not a you know what, you're not an adult. It's a fair point to make that we already established that they're quirky people. It was right? enough. We don't need so the more point of, of the dinner scene was showing that Robin Williams was making her feel comfortable because he he knew she was going to drop the dumpling, so he dropped the dumpling, and he knew she was quirky, and he was trying to make her feel maybe comfortable, but it it was just it was too much and yeah. too long. All right, fair All enough. Right. Best role, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, hands down. All right, hands so down. I'm conflicted because. Robin Williams is my surrogate father. Yeah, I love Robin Williams, but the role we're talking about role. I put like, Mercedes rule. See, I have her as my worst role. She was a normal, uh, emotional human being from start Agreed. to finish. Agreed. 
and it could have been played by any car- any person, any actress, didn't matter who it was. That role yeah, is but you can't just... not give her the credit for it. Sure, I can because I thought Jeff Bridges did a great job with his character. I thought, like I said, he put actual emotion to his character. He uh, you... he sold me on that person. You can like, do. Sh- I, I retract my statement. You could do whatever you like, but I'll just disagree with you. No, but I'm not saying that she played. She did a poor job. That's not what I'm saying. What well, I'm saying just, is, you just gave her your worst role. Right, but I didn't give her say worst actress. This is why we changed this to worst role. Right. Okay. We didn't. We 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 purposely did that because it's not that what she did was bad. It's that the character has no depth. There's no depth in that character. She doesn't do anything. What do you mean she had sure. no depth? She, I disagree with that. She had no depth. Tell, tell got, me, what what she, purpose did she serve? She was the moral compass. She was there with him when he was fuck when he was nobody, right? And then he became sure. somebody and dumped her immediately. And then she was heartbroken by that, which is a normal reaction to to what would take place. And then he came back after he realized that he was a piece of shit, and she was. The whole time, she was just a girl who was wanted to settle down with somebody and raise a family. Like that was that was basically her thing. Raise a family, whatever. I'm projecting, maybe, but she just wanted husband and wife situation, and that was it. And she dealt with this guy, and she told him that you're no catch, and fuck, I could have done. You could have been anybody. She said to him, right? You could have, and, and which is true. She dealt with this guy's shit. He had nothing. He was a drain on her, seemed to bring no income in while she was working, and then goes back and gets his career together, and she stuck by this guy while he was apparently mourning his lost career, and he gets it back and immediately leaves her and then comes back to her at the end, and she accepts him because she's a human being and accepts the person that he is and was and now is again or whatever. Like, she was... The only one throughout so the she's entire... A, she's a doormat. Okay, fair. That's a fair point. But also... She was a girl she, in love. She, yeah, she was a person who was just a normal person. But how was she a moral compass? She didn't do anything. He just realized the the wrongness of what he did. She didn't force him to do that. She didn't die. She, she was she a doormat. Also, she also left. She, they, she also broke it off with him and didn't I go back she... to him until he came back to her. I think Mercedes Rule is a fine actress. I think she did a fine job with this role. I think the role itself needed more. That's what I think. I think she was a real person in a real world. Sure, she was a real person. In a movie that is otherwise insane. Uh, Moving on. Agree to disagree. Fine. Worst role? My worst role was actually uh, Lydia. Same. Worst actress, worst role. Yeah, I couldn't because take her they're as following a her around the whole time, and we're like, "Oh wow, she's book literate. She's smart. She does these things every day." And then you meet her, and she's just this disheveled mess. And I, I... she might have trouble getting dressed in the morning. Which, where, where's your redeeming quality? What, what is good about you, other than Robin Williams has seen you? And he had, he didn't know any of these qualities. He just knew her as, you know, do the same routine every day, getting her coffee, getting her book. And then you meet her and she's just this, I don't even know. What's these, are, these are more compelling arguments for, for, for you to get me to change my worst role than arguing why hers was a good role. Okay. Just saying. All right. So let's do most quotable lines, Chris. So besides the line Robin Williams threw about being as hard as Florida or something. <laughs> 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 It's 
when uh, Anne and Lydia are sitting there and Anne's doing Lydia's nails and Lydia reveals that she's lived with her mother for like a really long time. And Anne just goes, if I had to live with my mother that long, I'd stab myself six times. And <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out and I really like this line, but like I'm trying to figure out like six times how, like six times throughout the length of time, like, you know, this year I stand myself and I spend another year. I stand, or is it like at the end six of that time, time, it's just six times in a row. <laughs> From somebody that may have lived with his mother-in-law, I don't know. It's a, it's a fair question. <laughs> but I really like that line. Uh, my my favorite quote is when Robin Williams and Jeff Bridges are looking through the window uh, of the Chinese spot at the girl eating the dumplings. <laughs> and and uh, Jeff Bridges yells, I'm looking through the window. You got a problem with that, buddy? And then <laughs> Robin Williams, after Jeff, Jeff Bridges leaves, is like cleaning the window with his sleeve. And you hear the squeak? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. That was a good spot. That was a good scene. Um, I had one where uh, Jack, he's talking to um, the other homeless guy, the the one that paraded around as the dragon. He goes, um, did you lose your mind all at once or was it slow? Gradual process. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. But he's and then there's another him. one. He's holding him like, yeah, he's a, holding him like, like a, baby. a baby. He's cradling him. <laughs> it's wild. It's like, yeah, this is what Jeff wild. Bridges has like this accepted the fact that he, he, he does know these world. people. He, yeah, he's, he's in, in these world. people. Yeah. That's it. And then there's another scene with the um the punks the the the, cl- the quintessential '90s punks. I take back um, my worst role. And, and I have to probably PC this out. So he goes, "Are you a homosexual too?" And Perry responds, "No, but I believe in fairies," <laughs> which which is which is you know it's Robin Williams, and we we know in two years he does Hook, and he <laughs> doesn't believe in fairies. So I that oh it just God. rang in my head. I loved it. Wait, is Robin Williams' character Perry actually Peter Pan? Ooh, think about it. Nice. <laughs> no, he, no, like he's that. not. <laughs> we wish he was. Wait, hold on. I take back my worst role because those the punks, the two punks. Quintessential 90 punks. Why do those two kids hate want to kill homeless people? Pours like, gasoline on Jeff Bridges. First, first like, burn them alive. Then they're beating Robin Williams with a bat. Like they, they, they didn't once, but twice went out to kill a homeless person. All right, are we done with this month? Because please, I, I think we're done with this month. Yeah, I All had right. fun though. Coming up, I next... had fun. I, I, I had no fun watching any of these movies. No, I had fun talking. Oh, no, fun talking to you guys about it. I could talk to you about crap and I'd still have a good time. I, I this this watching these three movies actually drained drained me this month. It, it, it's just the first time in ninety one, so but next month doesn't seem to be any better. So coming up next month we have Curly Sue. Never seen that before. Other exactly. people's money, which is with Danny DeVito, as far as I can remember. I've definitely heard of that movie. Yeah. And Little Man Tate. That's a top three. That's the top three. It hurts. It hurts. But November gets better again. So anyway. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Check it out. We finally recorded an outro. Just wanted to say thank you to all the listeners. And we welcome your interaction. You could find us on Twitter at PleaseRewind90s. On Instagram at BeKindPleaseRewind90s. 90s movies 
and on Facebook at Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Any thoughts, comments, or interaction you'd like to have with us, we'd love to see your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.